All right, this is a special bonus episode of Monster Manual Mash, this time with only me, Wes Grist. And uh, so normally what we do is go through alphabetically each and every monster in the Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition Monster Manual, uh, one by one, talk about them, we'll make some tick. You know, you've been listening. But this time, it's a bit different. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to be looking at one of the spells in the player's handbook that you can cast that is pretty monster-related, I think. We might do some more of these. I don't know. So the spell is Find Familiar. So Find Familiar, what does it do? What does it do? Let's let's jump right into the, the, the text. Let's see what it says. So it's a first-level conjuration spell. Uh, um, any wizard that can cast first-level spells. I think warlocks get it too, and maybe some other classes, depending on the options. I don't know. I forget all this. There's a lot of stuff. Um, so this... Uh, takes one hour to cast, but it's instant as soon as you cast it. Then, it, then, it, then it happens as soon as the hour is done. You're, 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 you're done. So it takes one hour to cast. Um, there's a couple components here, and um, uh, so we're about. Let's see here. Uh, one minute and twenty seconds in, and already it's time for our first tangent. Um, and there's nobody here to stop me, and so it has a verbal, semantic, uh, uh, sorry, verbal, semantic, and material components. And so all of the different spells that you can cast in Dungeons and Dragons have these different um, components, stuff you need to cast the spell. So they're verbal components. Those are your, your magic words. You got to say some magic words. So it, there's a little V S M next to the spell. That means it's got all three. So that means to summon, to cast the fine familiar spell, there are magic words that you have to be able to speak. Um, so that means any magic that makes it so you can't talk, can't say those magic words, whether it's a silent spell or you, you have a, you have a gag over your mouth and you can't talk or, uh, you have to be incredibly quiet, and so making any kind of sound, because um, verbal components, of course, like that, that, that makes a sound, and you got to do it for an hour. You can't do this. You can't do it sneakily. This is something you do when you have an hour of relative safety, I think. Um, and it's also somatic components, so you've got to do some weird hand gestures. You've got to move your hands around in a way that uh, that interacts with the way. So the way mu- uh, magic magic works in Dungeons and Dragons is there's basically um, a grid of magic everywhere called the weave and you can tap into that um, in certain ways and if you if you learn the right way like if you're a wizard you would learn from books how to move your hands around and say the right words and do little things to get the weave to do a thing for you um, sorcerers do it kind of intuitively uh, you know, like you could, you could also get magic from having a good relationship with like a powerful deity or like a patron if you're a warlock. Uh, lots of different ways to do it, but wizards learn it from books and stuff. They, 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 they book, book learn their way into being able to do this. And so it's got, it's got hand gestures that do a weird thing to the universe to make the spell happen. That's, that's the way I see it at least. And there's also, this is the reason for the tangent, material components. Now, if you this depends on like what your dungeon master wants to do, but um, generally the rule is uh, so it, if it has material components, it, gen- it it lists the material components, right? Which is which is sweet. But the rule is if there's a gold piece cost associated, if there's like a monetary cost associated with any of the uh, materials, then you actually need to role play in your way into finding the materials to do the thing. Um, otherwise. 
you would be able to use your spellcasting focus in place of the materials. It just like focuses all the magic energy. So if you have a wand or an orb, you know, I like orbs. Uh, you could you could you could use that or a components pouch, which is a little pouch that is presumed to contain all the miscellaneous little bits of weird stuff you need to cast spells. You only need little bits of, but this one has a cost associated with it. So you need 10 gold pieces worth of charcoal, incense, and herbs that have to con- be consumed in a fire uh, in a brass brazier. So um, I forgot. So when it's when it's that small, like when I'm running a, a, a Dungeons and Dragons game, I don't like I don't make people always do the material stuff, and I always forget about that. Some maybe like higher level powerful spells, I do that. But other like this is a first level spell, you would just need to. You, you can you can just cast it it's 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 fine um but a real stickler dungeon master would make you make sh- go and and ask shopkeepers and forage around the world to find the charcoal and the incense and the herbs and a brass brazier for you to spend your hour doing this fine familiar thing and there's lots of, it turns out the identify spell um it has it has a cost too so you're supposed to actually have a thing on hand to cast the identify spell let's 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 find that here it's real quick here it is. So technically, you need to have a pearl worth at least a hundred gold pieces and an owl feather to cast the identify spell. Um, but once again, I never made players have to do that. Uh, identify is a first level spell, and uh, uh, it's a, not that's not a very often enforced one there. But like the more powerful ones, where you get to, uh, you know, uh, bring somebody back from the dead. Like like uh um uh you know reincarnation is a popular one because they come back different. Um, those I w- I would count those when it's like a really powerful magical effect. Then it then it matters for that stuff. So you need that stuff. You want to summon a familiar. You need that stuff. That's that's okay. So first tangent over, right? Um. So anyways, here's what the here's what the uh, here's what the spell text reads. You gain the service of a familiar, a spirit that takes animal form that you choose. Bat, cat, crab, frog, in parentheses toad, uh, hawk, lizard, octopus, owl, poisonous snake, fish, in parentheses quipper, rat, raven, seahorse, spider, or weasel. Uh, so there's a bunch of things here. So one, a lot of people think of the find familiar spell as you have like a little animal helper, like an actual animal that is maybe a bit smarter than normal that helps you out. It's like it's not it's it's an animal helper, but it's not it's it's not an actual animal. It is a it is a spiritual being of some kind of some kind that takes the form of the animal. Right. So that's that's what it actually does. Uh, uh, so, yeah. Um, so uh, appearing in an unoccupied space within range. The familiar has the statistics of the chosen form, although it is a celestial, fey, or fiend, your choice, instead of beast. So there's a lot of different um, flavor options there. Let's dig into that a little bit. Uh, so first of all, I kind of, um, well, we'll go back to all those different animal choices because there's lots of reasons to pick the different animals, I think. Um, but, uh, I like the, so it's a celestial fey or fiend and it's your choice instead of a beast. So that is really where you get to kind of like decide, uh, depending on your wizard or your spellcaster, like what it would be. If you are a warlock who can cast the spell and you have a pact with a fiend because you made a deal with a devil and then that's giving you all your magic powers and you got to do stuff to keep those to keep the pact 
going, you know, then your familiar would probably be a fiend. Uh, you know, it would be a fiend in the shape of a poisonous snake or a lizard or an octopus. Um, uh, uh, or, you know, if you um, are like a really good aligned character, like maybe you take a level in cleric or something like that. Like you're just like just a good guy. You're just an all around good guy. Of course, you'd pick a celestial. This is actually like a tiny, tiny little. It's, it's, it's more related to like angels and, and a lot of the good deities and dungeon dragons than anything else. Uh, just like a tiny little helper angel thing that uh, is a is a is a is a hawk uh, that helps you out, or it could be a fae. And so the fae are from the the fae wild, which is like another plane of reality. Which is a I like to picture it the fae wild looking like in um uh in what was it called? What was it called? Oh yeah, in in uh, 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 uh the dark crystal in the dark crystal. So there's a bit where Jen the Gelfling um as is going on his quest and he's going through the forest in the dark crystal universe but it's 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 like every plant is a jim henson puppet actually and so like all these plants are actually alive and they're moving and there's weird creatures everywhere and it's just like dense and you get lost right away and it's full of of pixies and invisible dragons and green hags and all kinds of stuff like that like it's full of weird weird stuff and so there's there's good there and there's evil there and there's tons and tons and tons of chaos it is a wild wild magical forest that goes on forever uh that is inscrutable and confusing and changes on a whim Uh, it's great there's a lot of flavor there and so if you're a character is of a more chaotic bent it would make sense for their um they're familiar to be a little fae that 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 takes on the form of what they want um and so your familiar acts independently of you but it always obeys your commands in combat it rolls its own initiative and acts on its own turn so a familiar can't attack but it can take other actions as normal and so this part's pretty cool because your familiar can take all it gets a whole turn and it gets to take all of the actions that that you can take when you're when you're uh, when you're taking actions in a turn. So, um, so like say it's in combat, it can attack. Most of the familiars don't do a whole lot of damage. I guess the poisonous snake might be kind of useful. We'll dig into the stats of each of those animals that I mentioned in a little bit. But you can take the attack option, which is usually not the best use of your familiar. Um, can't normally cast a spell, but they sort of can. We'll get to that. Uh, they can take the dash accent action, which is you move your movement speed again. Normally, like if you move 30 feet on a turn, you can, you know, if uh, uh, you, you basically move 30 feet, however, that's marked on the the, the area you're playing in, um, you get to do double that. You get to move that again. You're just like, you're, you're putting all your energy into running as fast as you can. They can disengage. So that's when you leave combat without people getting a free hit on you, an opportunity to attack. Uh, they could take the dodge action where they uh, basically get to be a little bit better at not getting hit. Um, they can take the hide action and they can ready an action. So hiding, they're, 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 they they just try to hide, ready. They plan something that something else triggers it. And so it's like, if that guy goes through the door, I'm going to jump on his head. And if he goes through the door, you get to jump on his head right away. You don't have to wait for your turn because you spent your turn readying that action. But... Uh, you know, and they can they can use an object, which is really useful. They can search around. They can look for something instead of fight stuff. But I think by far the most useful use of a familiar in combat is they can take the help action, which is amazing um, because uh, basically you help somebody doing what they're trying to do. So uh, in combat, you can give your allies 
uh, advantage in combat. And so I had a familiar uh, in the last game that I played. Uh, I'll tell you a bit more about him later. Particular Henry. So Particular Henry was a cat who is a fae spirit in, in the form of a cat and would always take the help action to help out um, uh, Cloak, our rogue in the party. And so when a rogue... Uh, so then what that would do is give advantage to the rogue on, on her next attack, right? And so in Dungeons and Dragons, well, the rogue, the thing about rogues is when they have advantage, that counts as a sneak attack because they're like fighting dirty. You're not like, you're not paying attention to the right thing or they're sneaking up behind you or like a lot of the stuff's going on. They have advantage for some reason. They get to, uh, to stab you in the back of the shins or something else that would hurt a lot. So they get extra damage for doing that. And so I was imagining this cat just like just just writhing around having a frenzy just this this crazy cat just like hissing and 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 like doing that halloween pose where they stand up and the hair goes up and just this 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 wild cat like running all over the place and whatever monster we're fighting be like ah this is cat what do i do about this cat and then um boom you get uh stabbed in the back of the knee or whatever by the gnome rogue who is using the cat as a distraction and the cat and the rogue look at each other knowingly and like haha teamwork maybe they do a little air five air high five and then the uh, cat comes back to the wizard who's universal maximilian hanging out uh that was that was that was something my familiar did a lot when i last played a wizard um so they can take they they get a whole turn separate than your turn they can do all that stuff which is which is pretty good because like the bare stats of the familiars aren't that good but um that makes a big difference and also because they get their own turn it makes a big difference in this thing called the turn economy so this is really metagamey and like this veers away from theater of the mind role play stuff this is more nuts and bolts but um the idea with the turn economy is whatever side in a combat where there's like, say there's usually two sides so in Dungeons Dragons, there's like the party and um, whoever may, might be allied with the party if there's anybody there and whoever the party's fighting, right? And there's the two sides. Well, whichever side has more turns, whichever side can take more actions, statistically has a big advantage on the other side, right? So you could have like one really big powerful ogre and maybe the ogre can take like one or two attacks, you know, a turn. I forget exactly what the ogre stats are. I should look that up. Um, but that's just an example of a monster. But if there are four adventurers fighting the ogre, that's like four turns, four whole things that get to happen for every one thing that the ogre can do. So even if the ogre one-on-one combat could like wipe the party, you know, and even like bigger monsters, if there's just one of them, even even if they're a challenge rating that's way higher than the other monsters, if there are enough players and if the players have a couple of allies that they've summoned or made friends with in other ways if they get more turns on their on their on their turn on their you know during initiative then they have a like a really big advantage and you can kind of like punch above your weight if you have numbers on your side which makes sense which makes sense in like a non-mechanical way just like a, a true in a, in a purely role-playing flavor way it makes sense but because you're familiar um gets that whole extra turn and it can like flip a switch if you need a switch to get flipped to turn the fire elemental summoning machine off so you, you don't have to f- keep fighting fire elementals even more and more or whatever is going on or just uh, even taking the help action to give advantage to your allies who are fighting them. It's particularly some allies that can do really cool stuff when they have advantage. Um, that adds, that's 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 really powerful. So familiars are great. You can use them for all kinds of things. Um, so uh, 
do 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 oh a familiar can't attack okay so in combat it rolls its own initiative on the end of its turn a familiar can't attack but it can take other actions as normal so okay take that back you wouldn't normally use the attack of your familiar anyways but they can't attack they can do all the other things they can do all the other things but they're not there to fight stuff um they act independently so that's great that's cool there are other ways familiars can help out in combat um so when you're familiar drops to zero hit points it disappears leaving behind no physical form it reappears after you cast the spell again so it mentions later in the description that they go to a pocket dimension uh, when that happens well when you dismiss them they go to a pocket dimension and so i kind of imagine like oh no an arrow hits your magical owl that's helping you out it doesn't like die horribly like a flesh and blood owl what it, it, it's 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 a it's a celestial in the form of an owl it's a celestial owl um so it just kind of poofs it just kind of uh, in a sparkly like cartoony cloud of smoke it just poofs out um uh kind of pops maybe there's like a popping sound as it as it leaves that uh plane of existence to go back to its own little demi plane and then you resummon and it comes back same spirit same form it, it just comes back so the kind of interesting thing about the familiar, fine familiar spell, is they sort of can't die, right? They they kind of can't die, and so uh, so imagine this: imagine you're this spirit in. Let's go with the Feywild. You're they're a spirit of the Feywild. You're like some weird little ball of energy that kind of looks like a pixie fairy thing. You know, you're just like this orb of light going around, and. Um, what I like to imagine, the way I would rule it if I was playing and the way I sort of imagine it, unless the Dungeon Master says it works a different way, um, is that the spell, Find Familiar, it basically scans the multiverse for another being whose like goals and intentions and aims are pretty well aligned with yours and so that you don't even have to ask that much to know if they're on board for whatever you're doing because like the universe like match made you you two together you and this weird little spirit whatever animal form it takes i like to think that the spirit the spirit is really the one choosing what form it takes even if you the player are choosing for it but like you're sort of you got to be role-playing for both you and your familiar i think unless your dungeon master takes control of the familiar but i wouldn't i wouldn't bees into that really you kind of want to have your own familiar that's that's more fun for the players and i think that's what matters ultimately more than uh, anything else really uh so so the universe scans through looking for somebody who would be a good pal for universal maximilian my my old wizard uh sidebar his name was a pun that I stole from a Soft Machine song. So Soft Machine was a band uh, from the late 60s, early 70s, um, and the album Soft Machine Volume 2, largely considered to be the moment that psychedelic rock turned into prog rock, and they have a song on there called Dedicated to You, But You Weren't Listening. And within the lyrics, I can't remember all the lyrics, but there is this one moment where uh, um, they just throw in the line, Universal Maximilian. So they do that. I think I might have mentioned this on the podcast before. Maybe not. Um, or maybe somewhere else I've mentioned it. But uh, uh, Universal Maximilian. So that's a pun based on Universal Maxim, right? Uh, Universal Maxim is, I know that phrase from deontology, uh, a branch of ethics uh, that mostly has to do with Immanuel Kant. And Immanuel Kant uh, had this idea called the categorical imperative. And so you have to basically create 
if something is only the right thing to do, if it would always be the right thing to do in all cases, right? Uh, for everybody. So um, you could only justify lying if you would make it a universal maxim, like a universal law that applies to everybody, that everybody is allowed to lie all the time. Well, obviously that would lead to like a horrible universe where nobody could trust anything and everything would be bad. So therefore you should never lie. But the problem that people have to bring up is like, what if you are hiding a Jewish family from the Nazis? You know, is it still like unethical to lie in that sense? And and that's the classic, very cliched argument against um, uh, deontology and the categorical comparative, which I think is a legitimate uh, uh, grievance with, with such a weird dogmatic moral philosophy. But it would be kind of fun to play a character that, like, to role play a Dungeon Dragons character that based their morality on, like, by the book, orthodox Kantian deontology. And sort of that's maybe what Universal Maximilian was going to become but he died before he had a chance to have that epiphany role play wise um so his familiar's name was uh, particular henry so particular is the opposite of universal in metaphysics another philosophy joke and henry is just a different name than maximilian the, the pun kind of stops there um so the idea was so universal maximilian casts a spell it scanned through the multiverse looking for a creature that it was like you know what i can get on board with you with universal maximilian um, which is like, uh, uh, that was he, the character's dead, so there's no spoilers there. That was a name he gave himself. That wasn't his real name. And the only people who could have that spoiled were the, uh, other people in my Dungeons and Dragons group that I'm playing with right now, um, uh, who are probably listening. So there was legitimate, uh, concern for spoilers there. But for most of you, uh, uh, it, it doesn't matter. Um, anyways, so he cast a spell, scanned through the universe looking for uh, something that thought that uh, it would get along with him, you know. And the universe just matchmade him with particular Henry, um, who I'm, I'm going to say also named himself because <laughs> uh, uh, he thought it was funny for his own reasons. Um, in particular, Henry took the form of a calico cat. Now, uh, in the real world, calicos, genetically, they're always female cats, but this is a magical fake creature that takes on whatever form it wants. So, of course, it, it could just be a calico cat if it wants, right? Uh, so, yeah. And then they, they get paired up, and then they were inseparable, and uh, they went on adventures together until they both died. Well, until Universal Maximilian died. And then, particularly, Henry just poofed back to his uh, his the Feywild, I'm guessing. And so that's kind of how that happened there. So what else does it say here? So uh, when well you're familiar is within a hundred feet of you, you can communicate with it telepathically. Additionally, uh, as an action, you can see through your familiar's eyes and hear what it hears until the start of your next turn, gaining the benefits of any special senses that the familiar has. Using this time, you are deaf and blind with regard to your own senses. So lots of cool stuff you can use here. With a lot of the different familiars, they're great for scouting out ahead. And, you know, especially the spider. It's not a giant spider or anything. It's a regular spider, right? So you could just, like, send the spider to, like, climb under the door to go see what's going on in there. And you could, like, see through its weird spider eyes, which would probably be unnerving. And hear through its spider uh, tremor sense. I don't know how spiders hear. How do spiders hear? Okay, I'm going to look up how spiders hear real quick. How do spiders hear? 
Spiders, in fact, do taste and also smell those uh, special sensory organs on their legs as well as their, um, well, through special sensory organs on their legs as well as their pedipalps. And they hear, or more specifically, they sense vibrations. It is tremor sense, I was right. Uh, through the hairs and tiny slits distributed over their body, a spider's uh, sensitivity to vibrations is finely tuned. So yeah, you can send a spider in there, use its weird tremor sense to hear vibrations, which is what hearing is anyways, um, and see through its weird spider eyes, um, and you could spy on things. Nobody would really suspect that, right? Um, uh, that'd be great for scouting ahead. Um, and because your familiar can get re-summoned after it dies because it doesn't die it just poofs um you could if you have an extremely good relationship with your familiar like let it scout ahead in a dangerous dungeon and if it trips a trap um then it's 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 like it can just be re-summoned again right and i know you're thinking like why would you want to be the familiar of some wizard if the wizard keeps sending you to your death to see if to get you to trip off traps right but look at it from the familiar's perspective, right? Let's look at Particular Henry. So Particular Henry got matched up with Universal and Maximilian because they're both uh, uh, kind of eccentric weirdos who don't abide by anyone pushing anyone else around, right? That is until uh, Universal Maximilian has his uh, uh, eth- ethical shift that makes him be his own namesake uh, in practice, but that he died before he could do that. So uh, uh, um, uh, the universe matched them together and they get along. Of course they get along. And and so I think like particular Henry would totally understand. And think about it, this being in this world you don't understand, full of other beings that you don't understand at all, brought you on this weird adventure, gave you a cool new body. It's his cat body. You can do all this stuff and you can't die. And you knew, you know you can't die. You can just be resurrected. What if you like were you know you weren't part of any religion or whatever but then some powerful being um just summoned you and then showed that you could you could uh be resurrected essentially like infinitely as many times as you wanted as long as they were fine right um you'd probably have like as long as you had a good relationship and as long as there was a lot of like mutual respect and it was reciprocal and you know the uh the, the wizard uh you know did a lot of extra extra legwork for the familiar's well-being so that it's kind of it's it's like an even sort of thing like if you role play it right um you can have it not be exploitative seeming when uh you're from you use your familiar to be the canary in the coal mine basically i think there's a way to rationalize that that isn't completely senseless um and you can you can also you could you could uh like if it's uh if it's like say it's a snake right coiled around your arm and it's looking behind you you could follow somebody by walking in front of them by looking through your familiar's eyes and like the people anybody walking by anybody you're following would just think like hey there's a snake on that guy who's walking in front of me and they wouldn't necessarily think they were being watched because you never actually look over there with your with your with with your head you know it's just the snake that you're looking through and you can go back and forth you know, with an action, so an action, I guess, only takes six seconds. So you can you could do that because so every round of combat takes six seconds, and sort of everything happens roughly at once. Uh, so combat's actually really fast in Dungeons and Dragons. Like if you were mad to imagine it really happening, it's probably generally like just a couple seconds, usually like under a minute, generally. Um, and I would imagine that fights normally go pretty quickly in reality too, but I don't know. Um, 
So that's anyways you could you could you could switch back and forth between your familiar's senses and yours while walking and still keep walking and not get confused and have it be weird I think if you practice doing it that's a cool thing you can do with familiars. Um so as an action you can temporarily dismiss your familiar it uh, disappears into a pocket dimension where it awaits your summons alternatively you can dismiss it forever as an action uh, well, it is temporarily dismissed. You can cause it to reappear in any unoccupied space within 30 feet of you. You can't have more than one familiar at a time, and if you cast a spell while you already have a familiar, you instead cause it to adopt a new form. Choose one of the forms listed above on the list. Uh, your familiar transforms into the chosen creature. So it can change bodies to, to, to suit convenience. That's pretty cool, but it's the same spirit. It's the same bud that you had hanging out with you the whole time. Um, so finally, when you cast a spell with a range of touch, I mentioned this is coming up, your familiar can deliver the spell as if it had cast the spell. Your familiar must be within 100 feet of you, and it must use its reaction to deliver the spell when you cast it. If the spell requires an attack roll, you use your attack modifier for the roll. So there, you could use, like, there's a, like, Shocking Grasp is one that I used to give particular Henry a little taser pause, and he would just go and bat at an enemy, and it would sh- it would shock them. He would be like this little cat Pikachu thing, right? And uh, it was great. It was great. So he could he could go, and that was way better than his attack. And it was basically a cantrip that I would have to use as a wizard. But I have to go up and touch people, and I and and if I die, both me and particular Henry are gone for good, which is what happened. Um. Uh. uh so of course, sending particular Henry in to do that instead would be great. And he's a cat, so he's he's not going to be the target, I think, of like any of the monsters that were. That we were fighting or whatever um, so there's lots of stuff you can do there lots of different stuff you can do there um, I looked up familiars briefly because I wanted to find out why they were called that um, and so in the mid um, 15th century so like 1580s uh, so I guess that's the 16th century would be the 1580s 1560s to 1580s is when like people first started using the word familiar to refer to familiar spirits but the word the the familiar part of familiar spirits like its use as a noun um comes from the same like root as as just like oh i'm just being familiar with this person which is like that's an old french one it's the same root as family right um so it's the same it's just somebody that you have a good like close relationship with basically that's all it is but i was looking up definitions and so the french poet charles baudelaire um who was a cat fancier he um, believed in familiar spirits, right? And so he was really into cats. And so he had this definition. It is the familiar spirit of the place. It judges, presides, inspires everything in its empire. It is perhaps a fairy or a god. When my eyes drawn like a magnet to this cat that I love, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> Parentheses doing a lot of legwork in that definition there. Um uh so and i had to also i love that uh like it's he's canonically like in real life this guy charles baudelaire was a cat fancier and um so then animal fancy and just such a ridiculous name for a real thing that people would refer to themselves as that you know um i guess cat fancy is a magazine so is dog fancy but animal fancy is a hobby involving the appreciation promotion and breeding of pets or domestic animals. Uh, fancy may include ownership, showing animal sports and other competitions, and breeding. Hobbyists may simply collect specimens of the animal and appreciate uh, in appropriate enclosures, uh, which is called vivaria, such as an aquarium, terrarium, or an aviary. Um, some fanciers keep hobby farms or menageries, <laughs> which is a private zoo. Menagerie is a private zoo, a collection of 
uh, captive animals, frequently exotic, kept for display. So it's really just rich, um, aristocratic Europeans um, uh, collecting collecting a lot of exotic animals. That's mostly what animal fancy seems to be. But if people are some people are really really into cats, then they're called cat fanciers. They love cats, and uh, this this poet. Um, I love it. It's it's so just sort of felt like the um, the uh, the 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 cats in a space were sort of like the uh, perceptive kind of emotional force within the in the in in the space. And so um, there's a lot of uh, let's see. Here's a Pierre A. Riffard. Um, who is this guy? Who is this guy? He's a French philosopher. Um, uh, so he defined a familiar spirit, uh, alter ego or doppelganger, personal demon, personal totem, spirit companion, is the double, the alter ego of an individual. It does not look like the individual concerned. Even though it may have an independent life of its own, it remains closely linked to the individual. The familiar spirit can be an animal or an animal companion. So there was a lot of, and of course, like all over the world, there's, 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 um, um, people have, uh, beliefs about, uh, you know, spirits taking on animal form when they, they could be helpers, they could be not. There are a lot, a lot of times they're messengers. That's 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 everywhere. That's in like a like a million different cultures. And I don't want to speak to those too much because I'm not an expert on them. Um, uh, but uh, the whole idea of having an a spirit in animal form that is kind of tied to you in some way that goes back to like medieval and early modern periods and way like the and using the word familiar like uh, they would call them familiar spirits and sometimes just calling them familiars but that goes that's and that goes back way 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 further but uh, people have been calling those things familiars using the word familiar um uh, for a long time so let's let's go let's go let's let's look at some of the examples of some of the different animals that can be familiars okay so first up um, first example of an animal, a bat. What would a bat familiar be like? Well, let's look at what bats can do according to the dungeon mass, what the, sorry, the player's handbook. So bats are tiny beasts, um, but uh, they would be tiny celestials or tiny fey or whatever you want. Um, they've got a single hit point. Um, they can fly 30 feet. Um, they got like, uh, really good dexterity and wisdom stats, uh, re like generally speaking, but like otherwise nothing, nothing big. They got blind sights. Um, they have echolocation. So when it can't hear, it has no blind sight and keen hearing. So they have advantage on wisdom perception checks and rely on hearing and they can bite. Um, so, um, but since familiars can't take the attack action, it can't really bite unless it's biting something else that isn't attacking it. Uh, so it's a great thing is bats can fly around. They're tiny. Uh, people don't suspect bats. Um, I, 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 I bet like, a in a lot of settings, uh, people might be like, they might react to the sudden appearance of a bat more than other animals perhaps. Uh, but if you need to hear something, um, or see in the dark, you can use your bat senses. To, to be better at that and that's kind of awesome plus you get to if somebody ever gets the speak to animals spell which depends on how you rule it they're not really animals they're celestials or fey or whatever um so it, de it depends on your dm what they rule but uh but you get to give do a little bat voice if you want which i imagine would be like a very squeaky transylvanian accent um which is not a voice i can do i tried um and uh i it's they, they were not good enough to not edit out so there's cats here 
cat, another 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 uh, thing here, <laughs> another familiar animal. Pretty similar stats, except they can't fly, but they have a they're they're way faster on the ground, and they have a climbing speed that's pretty fast. They're also stealthy, and generally really perceptive. Great uh, dexterity and wisdom scores. Um, and I think with animals, wisdom scores kind of I I like to imagine that representing their instincts basically. Um, but also pretty good constitution, like not 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 a bad constitution score. They also have keen smell, so they have advantage on uh, checks relying smell. Now, I, if I were writing this, I would also I would give them, uh, uh, like, also good sight too and hearing, because cats have pretty good senses all around. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, the, the cat, like a lot, cats people would just be fine with there being a cat outside normally. If you're inside somebody's home, the, a cat might, like, an unattended cat might be a little bit suspicious. But it really depends on the circumstance. Like, any time where everybody would be like, yeah, whatever, of course there's a cat here, that's fine. Um, you can get away with sneaking around as your cat. So, uh, what else do we got here? There's there's frog. I'm just gonna stick with the ones that are stats for in the player's handbook because uh, like half of these you would need to also buy the monster manual to 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 be able to do these uh, to to get the stats for these. I mean, you can find them online, okay? But you know, they technically you'd have to get the monster manual to get all of these familiars, which. They keep doing that. So, in what next one we have stats for here? You can you can have a frog classic, uh, classic familiar. That'd be a good one for like if you're doing a warlock, I think. Um, so, what are they good at? They're good at being amphibians because they are amphibious. Uh, so they can breathe. What does it say? How is it worded exactly? The frog can breathe air and water. They've got a decent, um, land speed, but they also have the same uh, swimming speed of twenty feet. Um. Okay, stats, uh, all well, terrible intelligence and strength and charisma, unsurprisingly, but um, uh, they got like a slightly better than average dexterity and only slightly worse than average constitution and wisdom. Um, they're pretty stealthy. Uh, they can they can leap around a lot. Um, I I feel like there's a category of 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 these where they like if you were in a place where there would normally be lots of frogs, uh, sending your frog in to scout ahead would be great. Um, and also because it can also breathe water. If you're having like an aquatic adventure, if you're, if you're, if you're doing a lot of, if there are some underwater dungeons or if you're doing like a seafaring adventure and your characters have some way to breathe water, having a, uh, familiar that could breathe water would be pretty useful. Although I suppose you could just resummon them as a different animal form that could be better underwater. But, uh, if you want to keep it in the same animal form all the time, uh, frog is a good way to go. So there's also a hawk, which is one of the better ones to 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 go with because it's it can it's flying. It can fly real fast, like flying speed of sixty feet. Keen sight, so it's got advantage on uh, perception checks that rely on sight. So great for scouting ahead, like almost ridiculously good for scouting ahead because you can look through its eyes, fly up ahead, go way far ahead, use its amazing eyesight to see all kinds of things. You can you can look through its eyes and everything. Uh, so we got here. Uh, we don't have the stats for lizard or octopus in the player's handbook, unfortunately. But owl, we have owl. We can talk about owls. Owls, um, good dexterity. Uh, the same same sort of mixture of stats that all the other ones have there. Good wisdom. I like that. That's 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 good. Uh, good. Uh, uh, that's good. I'd I like that owls have a good wisdom score. Um, so they don't provoke opportunity of attacks when they. Uh, fly out of an enemy's reach, so it doesn't have to take the disengage option. So if your owl is in harm's way, it can just fly away. 
It can just fly away, and like you can't, nobody can take a swing at it while it's trying to fly away. And it's got keen hearing and sight, so it's got real good uh, perception check stuff going on there. So like amazing, uh, and of course, um, dark vision for 120 feet, and they're stealthy. Owls are very good familiars, and there's a lot of owl familiars in uh, in fiction, of course, uh, like Harry Potter. That's a classic example. Raven, uh, pretty similar um, to the uh, to what the hawk can do, but it's got it's got a really sweet ability here that adds a lot. I think mimicry. The raven can mimic simple sounds that is heard, such as a person whispering, a baby crying, or an animal animal chattering. Uh, the creature that hears the sounds can tell they are imitations with a successful DC ten wisdom. That's an insight check. So. Great, you can because you can give it telepathic commands. You obey your commands. So if you if that's 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 if you ever want to do sneaky stuff and distract people, just have your raven pretend to be something that is heard somewhere else, and it's basically like throwing your voice. But you're just getting a raven, your raven familiar to mimic stuff for you. It's amazing. I I could already imagine doing a character that is multi-classed as a thief and wizard and using their raven familiar to help them pick people's pockets by distracting them with their mimicry. All kinds of great stuff like that. Um, I would love to talk about the ins and outs of having a seahorse uh, uh, familiar, but we'll have to save that for a later episode. Um, yeah, that's a bunch of... That's 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 great. So that's the fine familiar spell. That's the fine familiar spell. Um, I'm sure there's more we could talk about there, uh, but uh, we'll have to touch onto it later, and... Yeah. So what are, do I have final thoughts? Do I have closing thoughts? Yeah, I think it's it's great. It's a great spell. I can't imagine playing a wizard and not having Find Familiar. There are so many great examples of uh, of, of, of familiars in fiction. Um, of course, there's Archimedes that was uh, Merlin's owl uh, familiar in uh, the, 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 what is that, the sword in the stone uh, Disney movie, you know? Um, uh, it's great. It's it's great. Um yeah, well, uh, that's gonna leave it at that. Uh, thank you. This has been a bonus episode of Monster Manual Mash. This has been um, Player's Handbook Smash. Uh, that's not. I'll come up with a new name for this. Uh, thank you and goodbye. <laughs>